Welcome to the MIT Horizon Podcast, the platform educating professionals to emerging technologies, featuring latest developments from MIT and beyond. This is Episode 2 with our guest, Mac Cameron, here to talk about the evolution of the 3D printing industry over the past decade and its applications. What can we expect and look for in the future? Mac Cameron is the founder and CEO of ZMOC, a design engineering firm with deep roots in 3D printing and product design. He's a former application engineer at Stratasys, a global leader in 3D printing and additive solutions, and has 3D printed thousands of parts using FDM and PolyJet technology. He earned a physics degree from the University of Minnesota, where he founded the first 3D printing class and a project-building student group called Tesla Works. Mac currently teaches Introduction to Making and Design for 3D Printing at MIT. Well, Mac, it's a pleasure to be with you today to talk about this exciting field. And when you were studying physics in college and prepping for a career, was this top of mind, 3D? Yeah, so I was introduced to 3D printing in college and actually a toy product design class. Uh, and it was the first time that I got to design something myself and 3D print it and have it in hand the next day. Uh, this was a amazing experience. It felt like scuba diving or skydiving for the first time where this entire world of possibilities just opened up overnight. And the world is continuing to open up. We're talking with you about AM, or additive manufacturing today, which is taking it all to the next level. How far along are we, and how exciting is it for you? We are still very young in this industry. Uh, the industry started about 35 years ago with some of the first patents being filed on the 3D printing technology we have today. Um, and just within this 30 years, we have seen a remarkable amount of progress. Um, so I, I think that you know within the next 30 years we are going to see 3D printing you know taking over some aspects of manufacturing and we're even seeing examples of those today. Many people remember prototyping and all that, but it's actually gone into practice. Give us an example. Yeah, so uh, one very you know exciting example in the metal 3D printing manufacturing is is from GE. Uh, they are they have been currently manufacturing a metal part for their um, aircraft uh, division called the uh, GE NX bracket, and they have uh, purchased a few 3D printing companies. Uh, who do metal, um, namely Concept Metal, and they have actually been manufacturing thousands and thousands of these brackets for their aircraft uh, today. Uh, the reason being is because they can design these things with more flexibility and more freedom, uh, reducing the weight of the actual bracket and reducing the amount of waste that they would traditionally need to manufacture this bracket. So instead of having a big block of material, machining all of that material away, uh, leaving you know a lot of waste for a little part. Now they can waste a lot less, build it up additively, and then put it directly onto their systems. So is it a combination of material and operation? In other words, it's it's the printers themselves, but also how we're using the material, how the material comes through? Yeah, so there's kind of three categories. There's the material, there's the printer, and there's the software. And the combination of all three of these are, are allowing us to design and optimize parts better for traditional applications than could be manufactured with any other method. What about your company? Let's talk about ZMOC. Uh, what innovations are you currently involved in? Yeah, so there's a big opportunity just in, in the design world. Uh, when I was working at Stratasys, which at the time was the largest 3D printing business in the world, still a leading um, player in 3D printing, 
um, what I found was that there was a huge lack of education and a lack of knowledge in how to actually design and redesign parts for additive manufacturing. Uh, so that's really where we've been focusing uh, ZMOC is how do you look at a product that was traditionally manufactured one way and manufacture it with 3D printing you know, in a new mm. way. Brings us to the question of Industry 4.0, which many people are familiar with. The idea of involving uh, the Internet of Things, involving artificial intelligence, cloud computing, all of these other amazing technologies. Do you see that as a growing synergy with 3D? Yeah, I do. I think one of the most important aspects of 3D printing in this Industry 4.0 is is the hope and the ability for a 3D printing system to provide kind of a full life cycle, full-scale manufacturing um, method really for the first time. So, for example, you could make one part. You could use that part. When you're done using that part, you could reform the material You know, with, with some technologies you could make it back into material to make a new part. And NASA and the International Space Station, um, they, they're they exploring avenues of how to do this and create these fully completed supply chains within the manufacturing mm-hmm. industry. And this is something that's difficult to do with other ways because, for example, in injection molding, you, you're taking a mold, you're machining the mold to make the part, and then you are injecting plastic into that, into that mold. Mm. Uh, 3D printing, you can go directly from your design to the part and then back to recycling. Great use of resources and economically a wonderful way to do business. Absolutely. And it's becoming more and more important uh, as it relates to just efficiency and accountability as it relates to the parts that come out of of manufacturing. So you, you would want you you want an ability to produce less and produce on demand so that you have less parts stacking up in warehouses Mm -hmm. that may never be used and need to be just thrown out afterwards. Specifically, how does AI and the use of sensors help us and you in manufacturing products? From a planning standpoint, how effective is it? So artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, and other capabilities like computer vision are being incorporated into 3D printing in many ways. Uh, One way is to help um, validation of good parts. So, for example, there's been a few companies like AI Build uh, and Inkbit from MIT uh, that have incorporated these sensors to do kind of real-time processing of the 3D printing process as it goes. So, mm-hmm. for example, if there's a mistake that happens, it's caught and fixed right away uh, without having to cancel the entire build. Uh, it can determine a new path to fix that part in the process of being built. Uh, there's another company that went public probably a decade ago uh, called Sigma Labs, which which do um, part pool analysis. As a part is being 3D printed, the camera is able to see and predict exactly what that part is going to look like to certify that, or, or in the hopes of certifying that that part is going to be perfect every single time. Right. Uh, this is very important as more applications on aircrafts and you know, other very safety critical applications become, um, you know, more have more 3D printed parts because every single piece has to be perfect, period. And if something is not perfect, then we need to know why. And the manufacturer is going to want to know how they can save money to prevent build failures in the future. And increase efficiency turnout at the same time. Exactly. Right. A- right. Another way that AI is being used in this industry is to help with the designs themselves. So, for example, Today, computers and software can run simulation analysis on parts and 
give us insight into how do a how a part will uh, deform or crack or bend or perform under pressure and give us insights that just as humans would be very, very difficult to understand conceptually. We can use that data to then redesign models to put more material where more stresses, less material where less stresses, and have this collaborative design with the computers to build an optimized part for production. That's very, very exciting. Now, if I were to ask you this same question 10 years from now, it'd be a totally different answer. But what are the prime challenges for you and people in the field right now from a technological point of view in this technology? What is the hill we're trying to overtake? A big challenge in this industry has been how can it scale up in production to compete with traditional production methods like injection molding, like blow molding, like thermoforming? And I think that we're getting there. Uh, there are many applications and businesses that are currently manufacturing parts on a large scale for 3D printing. For example, uh, Chanel has a mascara brush, and their goal is to print one million of these per month. Now, this is a very, very great application for 3D printing because the mascara brush itself is very, very small mm. and very, very complex. And so if you have a complex, small part, uh, today, many times, that is more efficient to 3D print at scale than traditional methods. Mm. So keeping up with production speeds is a big challenge. But in the other aspects of, of 3D printing, for example, the material, we have a huge variety of materials that can be 3D printed today. In fact, any powder that can be made can be 3D printed with a process called binder jetting. It's a, uh, you would put the, the powder down and you would glue it together with the same print heads that you would find in a regular paper printer. Mm -hmm. However, there are, there are new processes that are coming up that are allowing us to mix and mash different materials and uh, you know, weld them together in certain, certain ways that actually produce a one plus one equals three product mm -hmm. out of it. So taking the, the strength of one material and the conductivity of another material, putting it together and getting a really, really strong conductive material. Uh, and I think that we're going to see more and more opportunities of these custom materials focused on unique applications that are going to create a lot of value for, for people, but it's still a challenge today. And then one final thing is just in the software. I have found that there is still a huge need for education and how to use these different softwares that is just generally lacking across the board. Uh, there, there are big pushes of teaching people how to code. Students in elementary school are learning how to code. And there's a less big push for teaching students how to CAD. But I believe that that is, that is also a big opportunity that, that we are currently seeing but certainly more education in CAD is, is going to be Well, that, that's important. a great point because we were talking earlier about opportunities from a technological point of view, but there's also the opportunities in terms of career, job placement, and people. We need people to still initiate 3D printing, mm -hmm. 3D industry. Yeah, and I think that there, there is going to be a transition, uh, especially as these products to help people design parts get better and better, that the role of the engineer is going to change from designing something or, or building the 
structure that is optimized for the certain application to building around the possibilities of the machine, whether that be how large can a machine print something or what angles or how thick can something be that can be 3D printed for a specific machine and creating software and opportunities for people to have design freedom, but within mm. the limitations of a, a specific system that's ultimately being used. Mac, you mentioned at one point what this is doing for people, and one of the things we haven't touched on is the medical industry, and not just prototypes, but actual products that are being produced for the living body, for, for healing people. Yeah, this, this has been a groundbreaking technology for medicine, and it is only recently starting to take shape. We have seen thousands and thousands of hip implants 3D printed and implanted in people today. Uh, these are made out of metal, most of the time titanium, but we are also seeing more and more plastic parts being implanted in people around the world. Uh, I believe in the next decade we're going to see FDA approvals of 3D printed processes and you know, 3D printers, the materials, and the post-processing approving implants for, for patients mm. in the United States. Uh, and like I said, we're, we're seeing custom models being printed and, and used in surgical guides, surgical planning, surgical training uh, across the world. Does this also mean offshoot businesses, offshoot ventures? You're a creative guy. You've launched many. With what you've mentioned, the products themselves, the machines themselves, materials themselves, got to be a lot more for people to latch onto here. Yeah, there are a lot of opportunities within this industry today, and I think that there are only going to be exponentially more opportunities in the future. And one thing that I, I will you know, challenge my students in some of the classes that I'm teaching right now uh, in Design for 3D Printing at MIT is how can we look at a current product and optimize it for 3D printing? Utilize the complexity that is free when designing for 3D printing in order to make a more efficient part. And we are seeing this in the consolidation of large assemblies from antennas with 100 parts being consolidated into just a few uh, to new styles and shapes of um, you know, heat conductors mm. that are being used in electronics uh, to dissipate heat. You foresee a, a time in the not-too-distant future that so many more things that we handle and ride in and, and utilize every day will be created this way? I do, and, and I think that there's another opportunity for warehouses and hardware stores to reduce the amount of space that they need to operate mm -hmm. by manufacturing on demand. 3D printing gives people the ability to manufacture on demand, and I, I think that as more digital files become available and people become more comfortable ordering the digital files online, they will be able to man walk down to their hardware store and actually pick up the digital file that has been 3D printed you know, right there. The hardware store loves it because their inventory is a lot less and it doesn't require as much overhead. One more question about the people aspect. And yes, we need people who are educated technically, who understand the process, the CAD process and more. But is there any threat, as there is in any new technology, to the general workforce, to the labor force as it stands now? I mean, how do you see that? I know you're an entrepreneur and all that, but how do you see the worker class dealing with this? That's a great question. 3D printing has already replaced some jobs as just more efficient ways to do it, uh, such as 
casting jewelry. Mm. You can 3D print wax investment casts more finely detailed and consistent than how it was traditionally done where people would go and carve the wax by hand. So it's it's creating jobs and it's it's you know replacing some jobs, but I think that the you know the the vision, the concept, the the ability to to conceive a beautiful product or you know in that case a, a beautiful ring and then be able to get it into a digital file in a way that's a little bit more scalable is going to probably and hopefully create more jobs uh, than it than it ultimately takes away. Uh, it's just going to be a new style of job uh, and probably focused a little bit more on on the digital and less hands-on mm-hmm. uh, as as the you know more and more of these these products and can you put a timetable on how things are progressing we talked a lot about where we are now with metal and all the advances and and developments but are we talking 10 years from now a radical explosion or five years or 20 years i think we will see a radical explosion within 10 years and the reason i say that is because 10 years ago this this industry was a different industry uh it was just barely known by the public. It was creating a huge amount of value in the industry, and it was kind of a a kept secret by the customers. Now there's more education happening within this space. And just one example, I, I have gone to elementary schools and taught second graders how to 3D print. And in high schools across the nation and across the world, students are learning how to 3D print and manufacture mm. parts and products in their you know, woodworking shop where the 3D printers are. And what I think is going to happen in the next decade is a lot of these highly educated students are going to hit the workforce and their preferred method of manufacturing is going to be 3D printing. And this is going to happen at the same time that patents are expiring that are keeping the costs high, that material is getting lower and lower because there's more competition in the market. And we're going to see this transition of injection molding to 3D printing you know, happen right before our eyes. So and it's a generational step. The next generation is going to be all on board, it looks like. I, I believe so. From, from my experience, it's, it, is, it is a safer process to teach. There's less, there's less dangerous things in a 3D printer than in, mm. say, a, a, a CNC mill or other turning equipment. So, Mac, let's talk uh, briefly about what you're teaching. What's the syllabus like this term? Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm teaching a class called Design for 3D Printing. So it is a very exciting class for me because I've been designing for 3D printing for so long, and this gives me the ability to share a lot of the, the interesting aspects that I've learned with a, a group of very, very talented and, and inspired uh, individuals. Mm. I see this industry, you know, 3D printing, do to others as it did to me, which was immediately hook hook my interest and uh, excite me to create more and more. Mm. So uh, the the whole process of this class is learning about the different 3D printing technologies. There's seven core technologies. Uh, designing specifically for each one of those technologies. How do you how do you understand the difference of 3D printing for an extrusion technology like fused deposition modeling or fused filament fabrication 
you know, as opposed to a selective laser sintering where you're using a powdered plastic. Um, so we, we talk about how to 3D print molds, how to 3D print different uh, you know, devices from MRI scans and CAT scans, uh, how to just design in CAD software in general and, and modeling and sculpting. And it has been a, a pretty magical experience so far with, with giving students the tools and then allowing them to design it, it's a, cool stuff. It's an expanding 3D universe then. And it also opens up so many possibilities when it comes to business and the business models, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. So some of the, the new business models that are, are being introduced into this industry include outsourced manufacturing and online platforms in which people can choose a, a variety of different models or use, use some sort of configuration tool in order to design their model online and then have it 3D printed directly for them. Some of these configuration tools can give a user a trillion different opportunities. They can choose which one, they can press purchase, and that can be outsourced to a manufacturing uh, department to build it on demand. Now, there's one more thing that we have to mention. You're working on a book, and you told me the title or the working title, and I thought, wow, this sounds like a lot of fun. Tell us about it. Yeah, so it's going to be somewhere along the lines of design or 3D printing like Da Vinci, and I'm going through Da Vinci's notebooks and redesigning some of his sketches as 3D models and 3D printing them out in the seven core technologies of 3D printing. Fascinating. I, I've seen Da Vinci's work uh, laid out, and it, it's very 3D yeah, friendly. <laughs> it, it's amazing. He was uh, he was one of the first people to do an expanded engineering drawing of, of one of his pieces. So being able to to go and look at some of those files and those pieces of art that he's done and do it in three dimensional uh, art, 3D software and 3D printed has been a pretty amazing process so far. So I'm looking well, forward. To that's that. what you're doing in your spare time. Exactly. Okay. Well, we'll look for we'll look for the book by Matt Cameron, and we can't thank you enough for your expertise, and more importantly, for your enthusiasm about this. It's great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the MIT Horizon podcast on the evolution of the 3D printing industry and where it's headed. If you'd like to, you can refer to the podcast notes, where you'll find a summary of our conversation with Matt Cameron. The full transcription of today's podcast is also available on the MIT Horizon platform. Join us next week for Episode 3.